Hey gang, are you in a band in Austin? You're looking to make the leap from the band of schmoes to the band of pros? Well, you can start by rehearsing at Space. Space is a state-of-the-art affordable venue for rehearsal and recording located just a few short miles south of downtown Austin. 31 spacious rooms, great PAs, and a very helpful and courteous staff. That's Space Rehearsal and Recording. Find them at 512-448-9518 or go to spaceatx.com and take the talent train from Schmoesville to Protown with Space Rehearsal and Recording. Let's get down. Hey gang, I want to make a quick announcement. Since we started this podcast in 2011, only the last 20 episodes have been available on the streaming services. You had to go back to the Podbean app or to the website, howdidigethere.podbean.com to access past the 20, last 20 episodes. Well, gang, big surprise. As of now, the last 100 episodes are available on all streaming sites. That includes the From the Vault episodes. All of the episodes, the last 100 episodes from this episode back are available now on all streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Stitcher. Go there. Whichever one you're subscribed to, whichever one you use the most, go subscribe to How Did I Get Here. Follow us, rate us, leave us a comment if you can, and, uh, and check out the episodes, man. Get out there and enjoy the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here on your favorite streaming services. Let's get down. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys all had a good weekend, whatever it is you did this weekend. I'm actually sitting in my apartment just sweating. (laughs) I'm sweating away, man. I got back. I went to Houston on Friday to play a show with Skyrocket at Last Concert Cafe. Great show. Want to thank everyone that came out who is listening right now. Thank you so much for coming. It was a great show. We, I think it was one of the best shows we've ever played, to be honest with you. I know it was hot. We were all sweating. Uh, but there's nothing like that. There's something about going to a show and it's all hot. It's outside. It's slightly uncomfortable, but then you just kind of get into it. You lean into the sweat. You lean into like the fuck it, man. I'm just going to leave here like disgustingly sweaty and just leave it all here. You wake up the next morning feeling drained, but just so happy that you had such a great time, like letting loose in the heat. That's what happened. It was fucking great, man. I also ended up staying on Saturday and hanging out with family. My friend, uh, my friend Craig that I grew up with came over, my cousin Jennifer, and also the girl that I've been dating, Jenny. She came down and met my family. Went really well. Everybody loved her. She loved everybody. And we had a really, really, really nice time. Sunday morning, my Aunt Christina and I uh, got up and built my Aunt Olga a ping pong table. It is very difficult to put a ping pong table together. We did it. It took three and a half hours. It was very complex. And uh, I drove home from Houston. By the time I got home, turned on the AC, took a shower, took a nap, woke up, and my AC was broken. So I'm sitting here sweating right now. It's going to be 100 degrees every day, and my AC is like literally out. So I'm waiting for the people to come fix it, sweating, doing this podcast for you guys. I'm sweating for you here. Uh, Gang, I have an amazing show for you guys today. You've heard me talk about a couple months ago I went to... Uh, work with this company called Song Division, which is a company that brings together artists and musicians 
to use songwriting as a corporate build team building tool for different companies around the country. And so I went out to Scottsdale as part of a big group of different songwriters that came in from all over the country to write and, and, uh, and, and perform with these corporate people, like teach them how to write a song and, and kind of uh, help them do their team, team building. But on those gigs, you meet all kinds of people from all over the place and you end up having some downtime. So you end up sitting, you know, sitting around shooting the shit, getting to know each other. And I got to meet this guy, Anders Drerup, at the airport. When we landed, me and Alex Marrero here from, uh, uh, from Austin, we flew into there together and ended up running into Anders and going back to the hotel with him, having lunch with him, and just kind of getting to know him for a couple of days. And it was great, man. He's such a nice guy. When I found out he lived here, I was really excited. And I was like, man, we need to get together. He's a really, really fantastic songwriter with an amazing story. He's from Ottawa, Canada. And uh, <laughs> he's from Ottawa, Canada. And he ended up, you know, like getting his first gig playing six, at 16, playing at a jazz club there. But there's a club there that he was playing. And it was kind of like this thing where he was just having a good time in life. He wasn't looking to be like a superstar or anything. But then he ended up getting picked up by this all Cuban rock band that's based in Havana or that was based in Havana and ended up touring the world with these guys for a few years. Ended up moving to Nashville, doing all this songwriting stuff. Ended up moving to Austin in 2019. He has a band here called Anders Drerup Band. He does these residencies on Sundays. He plays, uh, I think it's every other Sunday at Armadillo Den. He'll be playing this Sunday at Armadillo Den. Uh, that's this Sunday, June 18th. You can find out more about all of these shows at AndersDrerupBand.com. Anyway, he's a fantastic songwriter. He's got some songs out there where you can find it. He's got a great record called Match which came out in 2020. Really, really great record. New single that he put out last year, uh, Ceylon, live in Austin. Just really, really fantastic songwriter. Great energy, amazing musician, and just amazing singer too. So we have a great conversation. He's been living in Austin, as I said, since 2019 and uh, digging in, getting out there and playing shows. You can find him at andersdrearupband.com and I'm going to play some music from Anders Drearup and then we're going to have a really great conversation. So without further ado, Please enjoy my conversation with the amazingly talented and super cool Anders Drearup. Let's get down. and I don't do seasons or anything. Right. Sometimes I'll take a month off, but that means like six weeks of just like banging them out because yeah. I still put them out. Right. So, uh, so yeah, it has been a while. Do you, have you ever had one? <laughs> Most <laughs> everyone has had one at some point now. I, I had a moment where I was like, I, I thought it would be cool if I did it with my mom. And oh, like, that's I, awesome. And we would just like sit there with a stack of records and just talk shit about records, you know? And uh you know, like she would talk about the, her experience of like, you know, hearing these albums when they had first come out or whatever. And I would just ask her questions and stuff. That but. is killer. <laughs> That's a great idea. That's the other thing, too, is like, what are you going to do at this point? Well, like, I had no follow through. It was like it didn't even really like work because of the, by the halfway through the first idea of the episode, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> My I mom was bored, too. Oh, she was? I wasn't a very good interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> is your mom, your mom's in Canada? Yeah, she is. She's actually on her way down here right now, this very moment. 
uh, to come and hang out with my baby, baby girl. Wow. How old's your baby? She just turned a year old like three days ago. Wow. Yeah. Is that a COVID conception? It is. Actually, <laughs> the, the whole thing was a COVID thing. I, I, people talk about it like it was this horrible thing. It was the best thing ever for me. I love COVID. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Um, Met my wife. Well, how'd you meet her? Uh, you know, the old-fashioned way, online. Yeah. Just hinge. Did, did you meet somewhere and like walk outside or something? Is we that... did. We met at Mount Bonnell. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. I was, uh, I was driving repossessed cars for a living because gigs weren't a thing anymore. And I, I fell into this job where I was like, uh, <laughs> I know it's, we're just going right into our ear. <clears throat> um, so yeah, the, the gigs weren't a thing, but I have a friend who owns uh, Long Motors here in town, Long, Paul Long, good buddy. Uh, friend of my brother's that I met through him and his like motorcycle community. Okay. And uh, I was like, well, I mean, I, I don't really have much of a job. I could work for my brother like up on a roof for the rest of the summer or, Oof. you know, yeah, it totally sucked. And he was like, well, man, listen, man, why don't you just, I, don't know, I got repossessions are real big right now because <laughs> like, COVID, nobody, oh, everybody was losing their jobs. And, uh, and there was no money, so there were people defaulting on these payments like crazy. And he was like, "Yeah, I'll just I'll send you, man. I'll I'll send you to go get some cars." And I was like doing repossession drives from like New Orleans, Philadelphia, Virginia, like Florida, all over the country. And um, I met this girl at some point, like during this whole thing. I was like dating a lot at the time, and I was just trying to like meet someone, whatever. We thought the end of the world was coming. I mean, why yeah, not meet yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I met this girl at Mount Bonnell, and turns out that's the mother of my child. So, wow. Yeah. Man, what a fascinating thing. Did anyone ever, like, come after you? No, no. I was lucky because I didn't have to actually repossess the cars themselves. Okay. Okay. I just oh, did you the just driving. went and picked them up and drove them back. Totally. Okay. Although there was a couple of ones where like they would give me a key and it was like super late at night in a dark parking lot. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. You know, I was pretty sure I was stealing that car. Yeah. But nobody told me. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, what a fascinating thing. I had a, I had a friend that did that and he had, he had a few times like like oh guys God. shooting at him and For shit. For sure. Like, well, dude, we're, I was... Get, dude, these repo drives were like coming from New Orleans and stuff. Like, yeah. this guy... Trying to repossess a car yeah. in New Orleans? That's yeah. a, a recipe for disaster. <laughs> was it like, weird when you were driving back? Did, were you like scared at all? Like, did you, was there your heart beating kind of fast? Like, I, there was a couple of interesting moments. Because yeah. uh, a lot of the time people, because they know their car is getting repossessed, they'll, they'll um, like sabotage the car. Oh. Cut a brake line or something like that, you know? Oh, really? And uh, one time I was just at, this is a country song waiting to be written, by the way. So I was just out, I was, I repossessed, a, a, I was driving a, a Dodge, like a souped up, like huge, like douche kit Dodge. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, there's something funny in the steering. And I was just outside of Baton Rouge on the I-10. And like literally, it just like something like felt weird, and then 15 seconds later, I saw the the front passenger side tire disappear in my rear view mirror. Axle grinds onto the fucking highway. I'm like, like, whoa, almost died. Yeah. Wow. Because like, yeah, if they know that their car is getting repossessed, they'll just like, you know. Yeah. Do something to it. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> loosen a screw or something like that. They don't care. That is a freaky, freaky story. Right. I know. That's you know what the best part about all that was though was the food. Like every time I'd go to like re these pick up the car, I oh, would yeah. like meet a guy in New Orleans, and I'd be like, "So where are we going for lunch?" Yeah, yeah. And like 
Philadelphia too. Oh my gosh, so yeah. good. Um, what if when did you when did you move here? I moved here in 2019. It's all gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah, totally. New start, fresh We're gigs going. every night, man. Totally for I'm, everyone. It's Mecca, yeah. I tell you. <laughs> so, uh, womp, womp. and you moved here from Ottawa. <laughs> I did. Okay. I uh, I lived in the. I grew up in the Ottawa Valley. It's like, you know, sort of like this uh, larger area outside of Ottawa kind of encompasses like it goes along this river it's actually quite a lot like austin to be honest but on one side of the river it's the french part quebec and mm-hmm. on the uh, english side how, you, how do you say your last name drerup okay that's what it sounds like yeah. okay phonetic but still difficult yeah 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 mine's a difficult one too <laughs> right. when you go by your name it's like why did i do this yeah should have been johnny cartwright I know. It could have been so easy. Oh, man. I actually so, had someone tell me when I was a, a young teen and I first started in music that I should change my name to Johnny Cartwright. Oh, my God. I've had so many people tell me that I should change my name. <laughs> Any good ones? <clears throat> well, nobody ever had a suggestion. That was the problem. They were like, you should change your name. And I was like, to what? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Andrew Smith. I was just, I think the mononym was tabled a few times. It was just right. make it just Anders. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, um, there was something funny. I wanted to ask you real fast because yeah, I don't yeah, totally. know. Uh, what's what's <clears throat> Is that album Match that's on your Spotify? That's Match, yours. Yeah, totally. That's me. Uh, it's a, a band that I had back in the day called uh, the Van Meters. Oh, so it's and, not um, from like a couple years ago. No, it? no, it's not. But uh, actually, it's really funny that you should bring that particular one up because I thought that all of my rock and roll had like been out i like i I was pretty sure i wasn't gonna do any like anything heavy ever again yeah and uh about three months ago uh some old buddies of mine from canada like we're all dads now (laughs) you know and uh we just got back together and we like wrote probably the hardest stuff that we've done to date it was really cool what do you mean like 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 in complexity like well is it prog no, a Canadian th- prog rock band? No. Oh. <laughs> I wish. I don't think I'm really capable. But the uh, it was just heavy. Heavier. Yeah. Like louder, heavier music. A lot of turkey calls. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When is that record from? Uh, that is from, I want to say like 2010 maybe. Oh, okay. It's a long time ago, yeah. basically. 13 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I've always been a huge fan of like heavier music. Yeah. Um, it... I don't know. It, it's like a part of like a mosaic that really never got the attention. Like I never gave it the attention that it deserved. Right. Like if I had put as much effort into playing like heavy music as I yeah. put into playing other stuff and like, you know, yeah. following down those career paths, yeah. then who knows where I'd be. But It's interesting on that record. Like you, you, there's some, uh, have you ever heard of the Dan Reed Network? Mm-mm. No. It's, it's like you you could uh, you guys could open for them. Oh damn! Like cool. it's like wow, these guys like these guys might have some Dan Reed. Cool. Living Color was that an influence yeah, yeah. on that? Totally. Okay. You know, I had Doug Wimbish on the show. No way! Yeah, yeah, That's sat awesome. right there. Oh, cool. I saved his diet coke can for a long time. Yeah. But I felt weird. <laughs> like, I will never wash <laughs> this coke can. I know. Um, uh, you guys, there was a thing. I'd be in the other room and I had it playing, and then I I was like, is this the same thing? Because all of a sudden there's like these Alice in Chains harmonies, which are hard, right, man. That's right. some dark shit. But like with that structure of whatever well, it is that that guy exactly came up with. That's exactly what I was yeah, listening yeah. to back in the day. It yeah. was like, I still listen to it. Yeah. It's the best. 
Yeah, yeah, they were really good. <laughs> you know, uh, someday you'll meet him, my friend Anar. We got to meet the rooster. Like, yeah, like the guy, like the like Jerry's dad. Oh my god! Like wow. the the guy that from the song. Crazy. Oh, they come to, to snuff, snuff the, the rooster. rooster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, we met that dude, and he wears he a, be- a belt. Ain't gonna die. <laughs> this is like 25 years ago or something but i didn't was, realize that the rooster was a person i thought it's it was his all, dad i always thought it was just a rooster no 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 it's it's, it's about in vietnam like people would kind of turn on their captains and sergeants and shit and kill them in their sleep what like it happened a few times okay. like they Holy would shit. there would be like a a, a, a mutiny style a mutiny yeah. and uh and they came to kill him, and he ended up killing all the dudes that came to kill him. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's what that song's about. Yo, he ain't gonna die. Oh, my no. God. This is amazing. So we met this dude. He's like an old dude with like a rooster on his on his belt buckle. It says the rooster on the back of his belt. Oh, Very proud of being the rooster. Blown. Amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. I never thought that I would like uh, get that much. Do you want to hear a funny story? Okay, so uh, my band got signed to Metallica, Lars Ulrich's label, right? So... Uh, we we went to this show and Jerry Cantrell was opening and they had come from like I think San Antonio the night before and we're standing there talking to Lars and all of a sudden Jerry Cantrell comes walking up and we're like holy shit it's Jerry Cantrell and he's like this is his concern have you guys seen my dad? <laughs> like he left last night with two strippers <laughs> in San Antonio and he was supposed to ride oh on my, my bus <laughs> I swear to God then this old dude with two strippers comes walking up and it's the guy, the rooster. It's oh, the most amazing. May I introduce the rooster. <laughs> That's an entrance, man. Amazing, right? What a phenomenal story. All in the woodlands. Crazy. <laughs> and it all happened in the suburbs. Um, all right, right. So so that band that band was from a long time ago. You're Yeah, but I mean, you know, I just threw it up on the Spotify thing because I just I didn't have enough. I, that's one of my biggest problems is I've never like released enough material. So right. just at, I think I got drunk one night and put everything I had <laughs> on my Spotify. I didn't care what band it was from. Yeah, just yeah. put it on, like let it ride, you know? Yeah. I've been putting together a box set cause I used to like record so much and write so much that there's just tons of shit that never came out. Mm. And I've threatened to put out a box set, but it takes a lot. But now that there's that stuff, you can just put it out. Right. Well, ex- do you record don't, home Don't get or drunk anything? and do what I did. No, I know. <laughs> that would probably be a mistake. That's usually when yeah. I start sitting down like, hey, I got to work on that box set. Yeah, totally. You're right. <laughs> that everyone's waiting for. <laughs> hey, you never you know never until know. it's released, right? That's right. That's it's, true. And it's like, I, my philosophy on this has always been sort of like, I, I get in my own way when it comes to like releasing music because, you know, I want to give it like the the... Steely Dan uh, treatment? Well, not even. I don't yeah. even care about the recordings. Once right, they're right. done, just get them out, you know? But, yeah. like, then they sit there for, like, a year or two. You think about shopping to a, to a label or something like that. Right, like, right. whatever it is that you're planning to do with the thing. And then before you know it, you've, like, built up this whole process. And, like, you know, the the music isn't out there yet. It's, like, right. it's all just, like, this theoretical thing. Right, right, right. You're, like, right, worry, right. worrying about yeah. so much. And you spend so much of your energy, like, trying to get, like... <laughs> like movement behind this thing that isn't going anywhere right 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 and it's just yeah. like now i just put them out i don't yeah. care i just like who cares <laughs> I, I feel like promoting music these days is like walking into a a completely filled football stadium where everyone's screaming and going hey i just put out a new song you guys 
You want to hear it? Totally. <laughs> like, he's like pushing he the next guy box. out of the way. He's like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, listen to my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you moved in and you got in pretty quick. That's your band that played on that live stuff? Mm. Like the live, what's That's right, the live? Yeah, yeah. Uh, live Sail on. Sail on. There's a couple of other recordings on there. Um, you did a song with one of my favorite people, Ray Prim. Oh, I cool. appreciate yeah, yeah. you. Love him, man. Great song. He's thank you. That's awesome. He was uh he was very like magnanimous about the whole thing. I didn't even know Ray, but I like had opened up for him at a show somewhere or something like that, and I was like, Hey man, do you wanna like do this song? Just like hit a verse and he was like, Send me the whole Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to like get into your studio and like get in front of a microphone. Just give yeah. me the whole session. And I just sent him the whole like Pro Tools session, and he came back with like all these stacked up harmonies and stuff. It was way cool. Yeah, you know? he's a cool dude, man. Totally. I've known him for a long time. Like since it's funny, you, like there's a lot of these people like you saw him start out. Mm. You know, like I saw Ray in his first band. Cool. Yeah, it's good. That's awesome. Yeah, I, he was always good, but he's I, great now. Yeah, I mean, right, he's fucking. Right. He's turned into like a powerhouse. He kind of uh, he kind of created his own industry for himself. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's that's the whole idea, right? If like you you create, uh, make something that nobody else can make, you know, and yeah. it, like he's done that so effectively. Yeah, is that you playing keyboards on there, or is that guys from your band, or what's going on? On that one, uh, that was me. Yeah, I played keyboards on the. You're fucking great. Ah, and super funky. <laughs> yeah, it's really un- uncomplicated. Like yeah, two fingers at a time. Any two, any time. Okay, I'll have to, I'm going to subscribe to that. Um, and when did you pick up these residencies? You play every other Sunday at Central Machine Works and then every other Sunday at Armadillo Den? That's right. Okay. That's like our uh, like summer residencies. Um, you know, and there's like a whole bunch of other stuff. Like those are just our Sundays, right? Right, and right. For me, I just consider it like a great reason to get together and have some drinks with my buddies and, and stretch out on songs that we've played 6,000 times. Right. You know? Right. Um, we, uh, Armadillo Den last year, so I don't know how much, like, you're into, like, jam band stuff, but, like, you know, apparently there are, like, three different types of jams, right? Okay. I, I've heard this from, like, other people. I'm not really into that world, but, like, from what I understand, a type one is a song where you basically execute the song more or less the way it was planned. Right. You know, you it's got a, a beginning, it's got an end. You you take it to the or chorus, double chorus, out, done. A type two is when you take that same thing and just stretch the hell out of it. You know, you can make it into like guitar solos, you can make it into keyboard solos. It's fun, sure. but it's not all that challenging. And a type three is the one where you like change the time signature halfway through. <laughs> you like mess with like something I, you know, uh, come up with some vocal ideas on the spot and try to like, you know, create some harmonies out of thin air like that. And like the Armadillo Den didn't care what we did. Like we would, and they still don't. I yeah, can't yeah, believe yeah. we got the residency yeah. back yeah, to yeah, be yeah. honest. Yeah. We were just like taking it as far as we could possibly take it, turning like ZZ Top songs into like 15 minute jams. <clears throat> It was hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> you know? It's awesome that Austin. You know what's funny is there's so many conversations that I have with people here, like in in like the industry side of it, or the the nonprofit industry, or the city, or the state, mm-hmm. or whatever. And there's always like this, uh, man. We need to have like record companies here and all this stuff. And I'm always like, mm-hmm. the cool thing about Austin is you can you can do that. And there's yeah. a place in South Austin 
on a Sunday where people are like high enough and have had enough totally. beer. They're like, it, it's, and it's all good. Had a gummy, went to the fucking armadillo den. Totally. I mean, chill out and sometimes listen to we're a, the ones on the yeah, gummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then sit like, they want to hear a 15 minute version of his yeah. easy top song. Totally. Yeah. Um, no, it's a good point, man. I, one of the things that really struck me first off, cause I, I did a little time in Nashville. I did a little time in LA. And the first thing that I noticed was like, nobody's having those like tense conversations about what the plan is. Like the only plan is to just make something cool. Yeah. Can we just make it, make something cool? Yeah. Please? Yeah. Like, and I just, I sunk into that within like days. I yeah. could feel it. And I was just like, man, you guys have got a really cool thing going on here. Austin, Texas is, you know, when you're so far away, it you just hear stories about it. Right. You know, it's like this mythical Xanadu type situation where yeah, like yeah. people are, you know, oh, there's blues everywhere and Stevie Ray Vaughan, rah, 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 you know? And yes, of course, all those things are true, but it's like, it's so much more than that too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is. It really is. It's always also been a place where people like weirdos can, like a lot of the, like that whole, you know, like... In his time, uh, Willie Nelson, Jerry Jeff, all those guys were like, they were weird for yeah. what they were doing. They, they weren't would, normal. Totally. They, would, they couldn't go anywhere else. <laughs> right, right. And then there was a really cool like underground 80s mm-hmm. thing where a lot of bands got signed out of here, like Tim Buck Three, you know that yeah, yeah, Future totally. So Bright band. I Gotta Wear Shades. Yeah. But I mean, that was Good a one. band with two people with guitars and a, and a boombox. Mm-hmm. Doing all the music at the time. That's hilarious. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, that's that was kind of like it's always been a little like a Daniel Johnston, like people yeah, yeah, that are just right, weird right. Are, are like do well here. My uh, actually that the Timbuk three guys or the it's a couple, right? It was, yeah, it was. Yeah. They live next door to where my my wife grew up, so she was like you know next door neighbors to those dudes, and apparently in the same neighborhood, like across the fence, was McConaughey. Wow, and that was like you know the wait, what what neighborhood did she live in? Terrytown, I think. Okay, okay. All right, that was before they... Okay, because they, when they split up, she moved in next door to me and my ex-wife. And oh, I was like, crazy. no way. Yeah. Cool. No, it's, I mean, it is actually kind of a small town in so it's many ways. It's a very right? small town, yeah. yeah. Got to be careful with that reputation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Word travels quick around yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, dude, I went on a date a couple weeks ago with someone and we were walking into <laughs> Continental Club and she was like... Oh, hey, just full disclosure, I went out with this dude. Yeah, right, <laughs> like, right. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. So listen to this. I was just having a little chuckle about this yesterday because my I was talking about uh, Rosita's. It's like one of my favorites. But mm-hmm. my all-time favorite taco place is Taco Joint on South Congress and Riverside. Right, right. Nobody can touch their mole. I don't care whatever you got to say about the best mole in town. I'm pretty much convinced that's the one. Okay. And uh, I was dating a girl who lived in that um, apartment building across the street from uh-huh. the Crescent or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, we dated for like two years. It was when it blew up, it blew up in spectacular fireworks fashion. It was bad. Wow. Wow. And it was like a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling. And she was like, I never want to see you again. And I was like, well, that's fine. But, but <laughs> just so you know, I'm going to be at Taco Joint a lot. Because, like, you can have all of our friends. You can have our date places. You can have fucking Zilker. I don't give a shit. But I'm taking Taco Joint. And if you don't want to see me, don't come on Tuesdays at 3. Don't come, like, any day, any time. Because I'm going to be there. Random. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to, credit, to austin <laughs> to her credit she hasn't shown up <laughs> wow that's insane she gave up the tacos you know yeah 
Yeah, well, good, good. That's good for you. Um, I wanted to ask you something. Yeah, on your on your website, there's a there's stuff about private events. Yeah. So that's you guys. That's how you guys because that's in the band Skyrocket. I mean, mm-hmm. we play a couple like we do a three ten every six weeks or so. Cool. A Houston public show in a Santa, but otherwise it's just privates. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's how you make a living totally. playing music. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things about um, moving down here that really changed the whole game for me was that I was very much a passenger in like previous projects, even the ones that I was kind of like running. Somebody else was kind of running them, you know? Um, I was always a side man, very rarely the person in front. Um, and, uh, but when I moved down here, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to pull a Costanza over here. Like if all of my instincts have been wrong, then right, right. the opposite must be right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like did the exact opposite of all that and just really took the control, took the reins on like all that stuff. And it, it became very clear very quickly that like private events around here, man, you can, you can make great money out here yeah. and you get to do the things you want too. You know, yeah. you, like that's the beauty of the whole situation. There's enough money and work and venues, conferences. There's like all this stuff that we're, we're doing out here. Um, Are you hooked up with like Visit Austin? No. No, no or anything? How do, you, how do you solicit yourself? Uh, word of mouth mostly. I wow. mean, it started kind of slow, like, but then of course there was the pandemic too. Yeah. Um, I was on that uh, TV show, The Voice. Yes. And that was very helpful. Um, even now, like I still get people, it's not that they're watching the episode over and over again or anything like that. It's just that having my name associated with NBC in that way or whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like, you t- hey, come to my event. I got the guy from The Fucking Voice. That's exactly what I'm yeah, saying. Exactly. And, yeah. and like, you know, who doesn't want the guy from The Voice playing yeah, yeah. at their wedding or whatever? You it's know? Like, like it's like we, how we met was through uh, Song Division yeah. in uh, Arizona. At the right. airport is actually where we met, getting That's luggage. Right. And, <laughs> and I was like, these uh, guys are musicians for sure. <laughs> yeah. And those, uh, that's the trip there too, because you were like from The Voice and I was the guy that used to know Lars. Right. <laughs> Dude, I mean, we had to go somewhere. <laughs> Where were we hey, going to go? Man, whatever's going to open the fucking door, you know, at this point. Yeah, as long as you're good enough to stay in. Totally. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, that gets you through the door, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you And know, you did it. It's not like you're lying about it. No, I definitely did. The, uh, you know what the crazy thing is, though? Yeah. So you couldn't write this in a fictional book, but basically that whole thing, the whole process, the whole buildup, my episode aired March 20th, 2020. Oh, so it was <laughs> the like... The day of the lockdown. Right, right, right. And it was wow. like, so here's all of this momentum... And it's gone, like completely gone. So what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. So Nick Jonas, you got Nick Jonas picked you. I was on he Nick Jonas's his, team. Okay, who he all smells turned great? Their, by the way, he, he's, a, he's a good smelling man. Do you listen to other episodes of my podcast? I always ask <laughs> what famous people did they smell good. I always say that. <laughs> well, I mean, they have their own fragrances. Yeah, yeah. They can smell any way they want to smell. Sure. Nick Jonas. Yeah. So he turned his chair. Who else turned their chair around? Anyone else? Nobody. No. Oh. That was just a, a single thing. I, so What song did you sing? I sang a, like a sort of UB40 style version of um, Can't Help Falling in Love With You. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> their band is amazing. It's like you can, those guys can play anything. Like, and they give, oh, you, yeah. They yeah. give you like a rehearsal or two and then you like hit it. 
And yeah. uh, it's just insane. They're just studio motherfuckers. There's a you know? couple of dudes that used to play with uh, the girl that's in Skyrocket with us that are the... Cool. The, I think they've been there since the beginning. Right on. I mean, dude, that's like the best gig in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, it's got to be pretty great. Yeah. You know, because they're also on TV. So they have yeah. to get paid like union scale for like being a performer as well. What was your angle? People always have angles. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that's, that's why I didn't go very far. As my, I'm like, I'm a Canadian guy. I didn't have a television growing up. Uh, so uh, vote for me. Guy like, from the woods. Yeah, totally. You know, you know Nakia, right? Nakia? Which one? Do you know Nakia? I don't. He I was do on not. season one. Okay. Dude, I'm going to introduce you guys. He does, he does like songwriter in the rounds with voice people. Okay, crazy. You know Susanna Chauffel? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she was on there. Okay, cool. Her angle was the poor little music teacher right 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 right. which was not, just not her at all it was real <laughs> weird like being her friend and then watching it but um it's funny that she was my first guest and it was before she moved to new york and did the voice but it was nakia watching nakia on the voice that i realized what the name of this podcast was going to be <laughs> how did i get here yeah because yeah. i'd seen him play at saxon <clears throat> pub to like 17 people a week before right. and i was like now he's playing to a million people yeah and i was like yeah, right. There it is, because you just ask yourself that all the time in this business. I, I always kind of figured it was from the uh, from the Talking Heads song. No, I went to the... No, it was literally from watching that and thinking to myself, man, Nakia must be like, how, did, how the fuck did I get here? And I was yeah. like, oh, that's the show. Yeah. Well, it's a great name. It's Thanks. a great... It, it's a... Yeah. It is actually first, like a legitimate a question as well. <laughs> like, But don't you ask... I mean, in the best <laughs> situations, like in the situation in The Voice... Or when you're like in Iowa in some sad like sports bar yeah. playing to like three people. Yeah, how like, did how I get here? <laughs> what mistakes have I made? Well, the the one thing about The Voice that I really enjoy telling is that it was a complete mistake. Like I was never actually like, I never even saw the show. Um, I, that same girl with the taco place, we were like sitting on her porch drinking one night and she was like big fan of the show and she's like, you should like enter just like, I mean, you know, you got nothing to lose. And I was like, ah, it's a stupid show. I don't want to do it anyway. And I wouldn't know what to do with it if I had it, you know. It's like I've spent my life in bars and clubs. I don't go on TV. What the hell? Right, right, <laughs> you know? right, right. It's never something I even considered. So, But I was like drunk enough to actually like submit a video and uh, I completely forgot about it. And three days later, I was driving in my car and I got a call from the casting company and they were like hey you know we're not like doing the cattle call thing this is like a by invitation right, only right, like uh, right. audition would you like to come to Houston for the weekend and like you know work uh, meet the producers or whatever and I was like all right and uh and I was just like this is hilarious like <laughs> I never planned to do any of this I, I can't even remember what the song I submitted was so I was just like, all right, fine. It's a good enough reason to get a Dodge for, for the weekend. I've yeah, never yeah. even been to Houston before. Let's go, you know? And we go, we get a hotel room, and then, like, you know, they have you... Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much I'm supposed to say about this because I'm under, like, a lifetime NDA with these oh. people. But I, I can give away a couple of things. Like, you know, in your audition, you're, you're supposed to uh, sing a couple of songs with your own accompaniment, and then you have to sing to a track, and I was like, okay, well, I mean, this is hilarious. Like, I, I never sing to a track either. That's This is all brand new to me. So I, like, sing a couple of songs and whatever, acoustic guitar. And there's, like, the, a panel of people in front of me. And I was just like, these guys are just, like, going to laugh me out of this room. It's going to be hilarious. And we're gonna, I'll go back to Austin with my tail between my legs because I never had anything invested from the very beginning. Right. 
but I mean, sure, you know, I'm here, so let's give it our all, you know? Yeah. And so I play the two songs on acoustic guitar, and the third song I picked was Kiss. I had like a karaoke version of Kiss by Prince. <laughs> and I was like <laughs> doing the moves, and like I was just making a total goof of myself, and the guy stopped me halfway through. I was like, oh, okay, well, we're finished here? Okay, cool. And he's like, no, no, you're going on to the next like level of, of auditioning or whatever, you know, we're going to go into that room and sit with a guy with a camera or some shit. And I was like, oh, okay, okay fine. Like, if I have to. And then right. every different, like, level uh, that I had to pass through of, like, you know, being chosen by people who, like, are, you know, industry professionals or right, whatever. Right. Um, I was just like, this is never going to work. This is never going to work. And then before I knew it, I was in front of the fucking door that, like, the automatic doors that open up onto like the voice stage. And yeah. I was like, huh, like take my own pulse. And I was like, man, I think I'm really excited. I think this is amazing. Yeah. But like I 100% this happened because I got drunk with my girlfriend. Wow. Like, <laughs> you know, what's funny. I, I always wonder about that stuff because, uh, I, I, you hear stuff, you, you act as well, right? Are you, well, I wouldn't say I'm very good at it, but I did some stage work. But you know, like when you audition, Oh, if you really like, it's like you're fucking desperate. Like it totally. kind of turns people off, but like you were just like, I'll just do this version of kiss. That'll make totally. everyone laugh. And they're For like, sure. dude, you're genius. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, I'm sure that that was not my dance moves that got me the fucking win. <laughs> it was like, um, did it was just really funny. So the show just ended. I, I, that's what I, I'm still stuck oh, on. Right. That. Right. After, after March 20th, there was just no, no more voice. No, they did, did it, but they did doing it from it? home. They like sent like film crews to people's homes so they could. Like, no, no, I I was actually oh, I was you were out nixed? before that. Oh, okay. Uh, thank God. So another thing was like you know you're sort of in that world. Uh, like it kind of takes over your world. You know, in a lot of ways, it's like they're you're very involved. They have like plans for you, activities to do every day. Yeah. You're going with like non-celebrity. Yeah. You know. Uh, people all the time to like talk about this and that you know there's a whole bunch of uh, like sort of minutiae that ends up like yeah. really uh, dominating your life while you're involved and um, and when I uh, yeah it was just really funny because it was like when it was over it was kind of like a relief in yeah, a way yeah. I was just like okay fantastic and I got knocked out by a 16 year old kid too <laughs> <laughs> and you know oh my god man the best his name is Tate Brusa and if he's listening I love you man but basically he was like he totally slayed me on this because they had me singing some I didn't. I don't even know who Post Malone is oh, right, but right, they had right. me singing some Post Malone song I was like alright whatever cool you know I gave it every, everything I had on stage and when I was eliminated I wasn't surprised because you know, this is not, this is not for me, but Tate Brusa totally killed it. And like, he was this really like bubbly kid, uh, had like something to say to everybody all the time. You know, it's just like you get up in the morning and the kid's bouncing off the walls, you know, he's just so excited to be there and he deserved the win. And it was really funny though, because like he was trying to be so cool and like so nice about it right. to me the guy who just lost to a 16 year old kid he was like like somber almost we all took like the same shuttle back to the hotel and he's like all quiet and stuff yeah. and he's like got his hands in his like lap yeah, and he's he like, didn't want to be jumping up and down and laughing like, in your face this is your fucking moment man yeah. like enjoy it i have a gig in new orleans that i have to get to next week so like don't worry about me yeah. i'm gonna be fine but you know wow man <laughs> 
Dude, that is, that's such a wild thing. It, you know, and I'm not downing the show. And I know that fame works differently now because you can be super famous and not everybody knows who you are anymore. Sure. Unlike, you know, in the early 2000s or the, you know. Yeah. Like Kelly Clarkson. Like, right, to me, right. The Voice, I, I don't know of a Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood, uh, Jennifer Hudson from The Voice. Mm-hmm. And it's been on like 20-something seasons now. Yeah. Nothing against the voice. Nothing against them. Yeah. No, there were actually, I have to, if anybody else <laughs> out in NBC land is listening, then I thank you. You know, it was a really fun time. It was yeah. A, a that's really, kind of what everyone says. And, uh, but you're right. Like, you know, just because you performed for a collective 120 seconds in front of a live television network audience, which is not nothing, you know, yeah. it does not make you famous. That's for sure. But it does get you private gigs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go to Saxon Pub and sing tonight with a dude from The Voice. Nice. Who won The Voice. Uh, Which one? In Ireland. Oh, damn. Pat Byrne. Pat Byrne. Cool. He won The Voice Ireland. And then he was like, I don't want to do this. And he moved here. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. He was like, this is, just seems like a, a weird Byrne. life to live where you got people writing your song. He's a great songwriter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, I mean, dude, that's, you just hit the nail on the head like that whole situation where like if you get enough momentum to like actually uh, sign a deal or whatever it happens to be they own you they look what kelly clarkson went through with i mean that just totally. that was public for sure you know yeah, highly she lost a lot of money yeah to get just because she wanted to get the fuck out of that contract because totally. it's, it's, it is forever in perpetuity for sure your control is taken away from you the, the higher up you go like piece by piece the yeah little, like little architecture of like how it all works i mean here's here's what i always say man i've never heard a story about a major record label deal that ended in a good time like everybody's story is like <laughs> well they fucked me here and they fucked me here and it's now, now i fucking owe like six million dollars to this blah, blah 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 nobody ever has a good story about that you know yeah thank you yeah not even spoon yeah. Spoon well. left their label and then got famous. Right. <laughs> right. So what's the wisdom here? Like, what? Yeah. Like well, maybe don't it, worry about a record label deal, you know? I guess now in this day and age, they don't, they don't give you money like they used to. Right. So, because there's not as much money in it for them as right. there used to be. So, right. I, I don't know. It seems like you could use one once you get to a certain level, mm. you know? Right. You, well, could, and, use, you could use just the, the manpower that they totally. supply. For sure. Well, and that having, be that, paying uh, for it. having that behind you is like, it's not a guarantee of success, but it's going to be a lot better than you could probably have done. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. But I mean, think about all the people that have taken the like huge, like Radiohead, mm-hmm. Metallica, That's like right. all they, right. they're complete. I think Metallica even bought a, a, a vinyl printing plant too. <laughs> like they're like, that sounds about right. It's just like, you know, fuck it. No one's going <laughs> to, no sure. one's getting in here. We're doing the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Top yeah. to bottom people. Yeah. So, um, so um, I'm fascinated with what was the name of the Cuban rock band that you played with? That was the Elmer Ferrer band. Okay. And what did um, you do in that band? I was the singer in that band. And I, you sang um, in English? I sang in English. The reason I was recruited in the first place was because they wanted a singer without a Cuban accent. Okay. Um, and you know I'm Cuban, right? I do. Okay. I yeah, do. I told you that. I think we've, we might have touched on some of this stuff, but it is yeah. a, it, it's, it's a fun story. So it's fascinating. I was like sitting in uh, this Wednesday night gig. It's a nowhere gig in Ottawa, Ontario. Fucking snow's coming in sideways. It's just like, you know. Yeah. And 
this guy walks in, like, straight out of the stereotype handbook. He's, like, got the cigar, and he's, like, kind of, like, portly, and just talking a big game, blowing all the hot air on a fucking Wednesday night, and we're all just like, yeah, man, whatever. You're full of shit. Because, I mean, how many times, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all been there, and it's just like, get out of my face and let me drink my beer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Like, I yeah. just want to sing some songs with my friends, that's all. And, uh, but before he left, he took all of our names down on a napkin, and he was like, so you guys got passports? And we're like, yeah. He's like, you guys got uh, criminal records? And we're like, no, no criminal records. All right. And just walks out back into the snow. <laughs> and uh, he comes in the next fucking Wednesday and slaps three tickets to Havana on the table. And he's like, you're coming to audition for my band. One of you is probably going to get it, you know? And so we spent... We went down and, and met Elmer and all the rest of the guys in the band. It was like this insane experience that like no Canadian can get you know like this wasn't like going to visit Havana and like see the sights this was like deep in the fucking community like playing in the bars that only they go to hanging out on the streets that were like playing with their kids in the street like the chalk and making like hockey sticks out of rebar and shit you know like it was a really really incredible situation and at the end of it, it all culminated in this recording session, Abdallah Studios in Havana. It's where like um, like Chucho Valdez and stuff like that. Okay. It's one of his yeah. big, bigger studios. And it's got that like 40s feel, huge live room, just yeah. like hair-raisingly cool. Yeah. Um, what about the gear? What kind really of- good. Like gigantic monster, like mastering Genelex. Wow. Like uh, sunk into the wall. But was it like an old board? No, like a, it was pretty like modern. Old Russian, like <laughs> it's so communist thick. board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no, it was all pretty modern. They, awesome. Because I mean, for all of the things that Cuba doesn't really put a lot of money into, their exports are a big deal for them, right? Right. And music is one of those biggest right, exports. Right. Um, so they they have yeah the nicest stuff. And anyway, so my my boy goes in, sings a song. He uh, comes out and he's like, okay, I think that went pretty well. Okay, cool. And uh, I go in and sing my song. We all had one song on the record. And uh, then my my friend uh, Peter goes in. And uh, it just wasn't his day, you know? I mean, yeah. like, it happens, man. Let's, we've all been there. I had there. a day like that one time. Totally. A couple years ago, it was terrible. Uh, it's so... It's, it, anyway, he's a great musician and a great yeah, yeah, singer. Yeah. But it just, you know, that day wasn't for him. Yeah. And... Uh, and so he was, like, taking a break. There was a bar in the studio, which was great. So he's, like, out having a beer at the bar, smoking a cigarette. And uh, the singer, or the Elmer Ferrer, the guitar player, was like, and there's, you go in, you try? And I was like, all right, cool. You know, I'll give it a shot. It was Come Together. It was, like, a, a rocked-up version of Come Together. And I just went in and gave it out everything I had, and it was fine. I didn't think it was, like, my finest work or anything like that because I hadn't prepared for it. It was just off the cuff. Um, but we all know the song and it, you know, it was cool. So a couple of weeks later we go back to Canada. I think I was on tour in Australia for some other group and I got this email and they were like, if you want this job, it's yours. Like come to Cuba. Like, wow. You know, we've got an apartment for you, (laughs) a driver, (laughs) you know? Wow. man. And then for like four years, Jesus, five years, I was like, spending the majority of my time in Cuba. So you got friends there and everything now? Well, I would like to think so, yeah. Yeah. Totally. God, how cool. What was it like living there? And I was like 22 years old, by the way. So I was like, it was crazy. 
totally crazy. There's, it's a indescribably beautiful place. Like the people there are just like the coolest people in the world. They've had to deal with so much, you know? Yeah. And like, they're unique, you know? Yeah. Like it's, it's totally a nice way to say it. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, I say that in like the most complimentary terms, yeah, yeah. but it's like they're, nobody is like the Cubans. Nobody. Nobody, you yeah. know? And like the things that really got me like night after night was that like after dinner's been done, it's 11 o'clock at night. And then like the whole city comes alive every night of the week. Wow. Cause really? they're like out in the streets dancing with each other. And like, it's hot. Awesome. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. The music's great. Like people are just like so passionate and like they they love just being Cuban, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like they've got their own thing and they revel in it. Yeah, we're know? big fans of it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, it, for an outsider to be able to like see that up close, like yeah. under a microscope like that, and be able to even participate to some very small degree, but mm-hmm. it was like, you know, it was so unique. I'll I'll never be able to. You could never replicate it. You know? And you toured the world with those guys, everywhere except for the America. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Um, actually, it was really funny. The the bands always defected, so they would like come to Canada for like last run of the tour or whatever. We'd have like a run of Canadian dates, and then they'd all jump ship afterwards and be like, <laughs> "Okay, you get a get a new band." <laughs> like, and it was always the same conversation. We'd be in the fucking van or something like that. Did like, you have to travel with like a a guy from the from the state from like this communist party? No, no, no. Oh, they. Uh, yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't like it was in the eighties, like when the no. Soviet ballet would come here. There's no, no. It's a rock and roll band, right, right? I mean, they were just a bunch of like rock and roll dudes, insanely talented rock and roll dudes who caught a wave with this. The guy with the cigar, and you know, yeah, that dude was like the tax lawyer for the. Uh, or he still is the tax lawyer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, wow. So like, you know, some guys buy a car, he got a rock band, you know? He was like, you know, I'm I'm kind of bored with my, like, what's going on right now. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really into cigars. I love Cuba. And I just found this great guitar player. So I'm just going to make it happen, you know? And he did. So that's, this, the, the band was built around this kind of exactly. guitar hero guy. This, exactly. The name of the band was the guitar guy. Right. And I was just, the singer, just like the singer. like the guy, whoever's singing in Santana at exactly. the time. Exactly, right, right. right. Um, I also got like, <laughs> oh man, oh this this is a fun story, but it goes on for a while. I apologize if I'm taking up too much time, dude. This is what people are listening for is right. the good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but basically, we're on tour in Australia. Okay, and uh, the band had been on the rocks for a little while. Things were not totally like copacetic between management, and it's not. Nobody was really at fault. It was just, you know, I think yeah. his time had come, you know. Right. And Elmer decided to uh, to bail on the tour, which I respect. It's a, you know, it's a hard decision to make, but he decided to bail. Um, and I was left with no plan, no money in Australia, and like no gigs, really. It was just like me and this like the the tour manager we didn't even have our guy with us it was just like some like hired gun tour manager in australia and i remember sitting in the truck with this guy he just sunk tens of thousands of dollars into this tour that was no longer going to happen and this man crumbled in front of my face like i've never seen anything quite like it he was just like 
like his girlfriend had left him. Oh, he, his basement had flooded. Just like everything was fucked about this guy's life. Like in this moment, you know. And I just remember, like, so naively, like twenty-two-year-old, twenty-three-year-old kid, and I was like, "It's gonna be okay, man. You're gonna be cool. Don't worry. Wait, no, we can turn this around, man. Like, no big deal." <laughs> this poor motherfucker was like actually like having like a, an actual real crisis, and uh, but. He gave me three days. I like lived in like a Super 8 motel or something like that for like three days waiting for this all to just like somehow go because yeah. I knew I wasn't going home, you know? I didn't yeah. want to do that. I came to I came to play music, you know? Um, I don't care if the band doesn't exist anymore. I just, I came to do it. So I, I'm going to do it. That was my like whole attitude towards the thing. So he actually took a few days to get his shit together and then he turned the whole thing around changed all the names on the, the dates that he could, like picked up a whole bunch of extra like private work and stuff like that and hired a band from Australia and we finished the damn tour. We did it. Wow. Yeah. That's an awesome story. Totally. It was wicked. And it was like two or three of the like the most stressful weeks of my life. Sure. Followed by like three of the best, you know? Wow. And it was really amazing. Like the You guys still friends? The Australian guys? Yeah. Or no, me and the, Elmer? You you and the no 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 the the, the tour manager guy. Oh the tour <laughs> I don't. I reach out to him from time to time, but I, it's been a while. What a point. cool guy! I know. What a man. lucky guy! He's a, a really interesting dude, actually. He was so they were based out of a, a town called Newcastle. It's like not quite Sydney, but it's like close to Sydney. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they. Uh, he's a really really good dude, Dean D. Dean D is his name. All right. And uh, yeah, I I'll look him up when I'm there. Yeah, you going? <laughs> no. Just thought I'd look him up when I'm there. Right. The uh, oh, dude, nothing. I know good, Anders, man. Nothing good happens in Australia to me. Like no. the place is cursed for me. I've been there like five times. Oh, really? And uh, and every time I go, something really horrendous happens. Were you going like playing in other people's bands? Yeah, yeah, things like that. I also chased a girl there once. That didn't work. That out. That is a long chase. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> I know that yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I won't even, even chase someone across a river anymore. That's where I'm at with that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so who, like, okay. After that, what did you do? After, like, a, after, oh, after, after the, you came back from Australia. Right. I, uh, I dug into teaching a lot. I, uh, I think I was a little bit, like, just not, yeah. I was disillusioned I'd be a little, slightly. Yeah. Um, it had blown up and I was like, okay, I'm just not sure. PTSD I think gonna, from touring. Right. I just <laughs> want to like play in like a little, little band around my hometown yeah. and like do some gigs. And <laughs> not get to, left on the other totally, side of the world. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe just like play in Toronto from time to time, but like that's about it, you yeah. know? <laughs> and that's exactly what I did for a number of years. I probably spent the like majority of the rest of my 20s uh just being like a sideman uh, and like working stagecraft and like and writing songs and stuff too. But um, I was mainly working for other people and just being a guitar player, you okay. know, which is great. I, I, you know, when I think about it now, I, I, I not regrets exactly. That's not the way to describe it. But like sometimes I do feel like I should have come down here earlier, you know? Right. But at the same time, those years like spent just like honing shit and like getting the craft right um, are pretty like essential. I'm I'm really glad that I took that time to do it. And I, some ride or die bros from back in that day for sure. Yeah, you know, um, and that's definitely worth quite a lot too. So 
Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, <laughs> I'll be a son of a bitch if I wasn't that same bar I was in. Snow's coming in sideways again. It's this, this guy comes in and he's like, hey, do you know any Graham Parsons? And I was like, well, oh, yeah, I forgot right. about this. Yeah, so this is yeah, a whole yeah. other chapter in the book. Yeah. But like basically, yeah, this guy walks in hilariously at the same gig. And he was like, do you know some Graham Parsons? And I was like, well, not really. But I mean, I can probably pull something out like Las Vegas or something. And he was like, can you learn these three songs for next week? Like, I'll see you guys next week. And can you do that? And I was like, sure, no problem. And I sing the songs to nobody. Like, it's a totally empty bar. Um and I was like, okay, I mean, you know, you want to like have a chat or something? You, you knew Graham Parsons or like, what's your deal? And so it turns out that this guy was a freelance reporter for CBC, Canada Broadcasting right, Corporation. Right. And uh, he had his like, he was on spring break in 1973 with like his buddies on the mass turnpike and the Graham Parsons bus flies past their car. And so he's got his little tape recorder with him and stuff, like the old school, like reel to reel. And he goes and chases down the bus, finds out where they're going. He gets into a room with Graham Parsons, takes this like hour, two hour long interview. And then Graham Parsons dies like a week later. Wow. He has like the last interview. And this guy has been sitting on it for like 45 years. Jesus. He, he didn't even fucking touch it because he, he was like, this is going to be special someday. Not today. Like I could, I could give this to Rolling Stone. I could right, right. do like a million things with this. But he sat on it because he was just busy doing other shit. And, you know, one day came where he found a guy who looked enough like Graham Parsons, yeah, yeah. sung enough like Graham Parsons yeah. to be like, this is where I'm going to like plant my flag. And he wrote uh, a stage play. And I played Graham Parsons in a stage play yeah. for like the next seven or eight years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize it was that long. I remember you telling me that in Arizona, though. Totally. Man. It was a long time, man. But when I got involved, the, the script hadn't even been written yet. He was just, like, working on it. But he gave me the CD that nobody had heard, by the way. It was, like, a, a burned CD from his, like, reel-to-reel. Right. And he was like, I need you to listen to this and, like, really pay attention because, you know, this is the Graham Parsons we want to show the world. We want to, like, go out and, like, make this this play based on the information gleaned out of this, like, 90 minute interview that Where, he gave just before. Was he in he bad shape during that time? Actually, no, that he's pretty animated in the recording. Oh, cool. Um, and it was just interesting to hear the guy talk, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it ghostly, it's not a lot you of know? that, yeah. Um, anyway, you know, he was like arguably single handedly responsible for like bringing Emmylou Harris into the focus, yeah, you know, yeah. like in a whole bunch of other people, I mean, the birds and like Roger McGuinn. And there's like all these people who are, some could say he's responsible for what was country rock at the time that Americana. Some would say because the sweetheart of the rodeo mm -hmm. is where it all starts. That's right. I mean, in the lineage of it. Yeah, totally. Totally. And there's like a whole chapter in that story about the Rolling Stones. Sure. He was like yeah. extremely close with like Keith, Keith Richards. Yeah. He and he went actually, out when they were, he went to France and shit, right? That's it. Yeah. When they were doing Exile on Main Street, yeah. he was like in the room. Like, you know, the, the Stones For a while. Camp. He was there for like a few weeks or something, yeah. right? Yeah. A apparently he was too, he partied too hard. They had to get rid of him. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, hey, if Keith Richards is kicking you out for partying too hard, then probably you're going a little too hard. What an interesting thing. Where all did you, you went all over the world with that or? Uh, not all over the world. It was more like um, 
West Coast, America. We did a lot of work in Canada. Uh, they actually did bring it to Australia as well, but I didn't go because okay. I don't go to Australia. <laughs> now you, now it's off your, <laughs> I know better yeah. now. <laughs> no, they got a different guy to like cover it, but yeah, um, it was a really interesting time, man. It was like, you know, you're sort of surrounded by like the constant reminder that like all the people who are coming to see this show have got like a love affair with this dude and Graham, oh, we, yeah. call, we used to call them grampires because they were like so... Oh, yeah. totally rabid about the guy's story and like everything about his life and his death and his history and his yeah. music and all this stuff. It's just like you're surrounded by it all the time. His ex-girlfriends would come out to shows and like like want to hang out backstage and be like, hey, you look just like him. You know, I'm like, this is fucking weird, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, Have you met Polly? I have she not. I okay. have not. But you know who she is. I do. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, uh, she I lives here, right? She I does. Mean, I used to see her all the time for a while. I uh, I d- haven't met her because I uh, and I I probably could like make an effort to go find her, but yeah, I f- that would be weird. I feel like that would be weird. I feel like I played your dad. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I played. What? Let's have lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a great opening line. Yeah. Yeah. She's like she got up and sang with us at a thing one time. Cool. Uh, Anyway, um, so, uh, all right, so then what did you do after that? Where did you live then? You lived in Canada I when you did Canada that? I lived in Canada at okay. the time. Uh, I was married. You were? I uh, was previously. And, uh, you had no kids from that one? No kids from Just that a- one. But uh, that point, I got really into production. And uh, I had a friend who had recently passed away. It was like a mutual friend of a, a couple of different people. And... His, like, he was, it was really tragic, actually. Um, Field Corbett was his name, and he got, like, cancer. It just ate away at him, and he was gone, like, real fast. But his big thing before he had gotten sick was to build a studio out in, like, the woods in Quebec. Um, And he had bought all the equipment. They had treated the room. The whole thing was, like, perfect. It was ready to go. And then he got sick and died, Um, which was just the worst but, you know, I was, like, at a, a memorial sort of show concert for the guy, and we were, like, because we went to school together, and he was actually one of the guys who inspired me to play music in the first place, because uh-huh. I, I remember seeing him, like, play, like, Nirvana covers at, like, the coffee house back in the day, and I was right. like, this is so cool, yeah. you know? Anyway, but we're at this, like, memorial for the guy, and he was... Uh, like the guy who owns the house, the guy who owns all the equipment, they were all sitting at the same table with his mom too. And uh, they were like, man, I mean, what a shame, you know? That studio is basically like turnkey. Like somebody could walk in there and just make it happen right now. And And they have lives, they've got careers, they got all kinds of shit going on, but I didn't really have much going on at all. I was just playing in bands in Ottawa, you know? Yeah. And I was like, well... I've always wanted to get into production, you know, like I could, I, I feel like I've got like good enough ears to be able to like maybe work this out. I mean, I know it's a whole science and shit, but I'll, I'll figure it out. You yeah. Know? And, uh, I surrounded myself. That's exactly what I did. I surrounded myself with some people from like the analog world that like understood recording, like not in the box, but like where it comes from right, and like right. how all this like hardware works. Cause I was, I had like. $500,000 worth of equipment. Like, like sitting, outboard gear? Outboard Shit. gear, yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Like this house out in the woods in Quebec, it was stacked, man. Like it was, I went in there and you could have like, 
like the dust on all of the equipment had like been accumulating since this guy had died, right? Oh. Nobody wanted to touch the motherfucker with a 10-foot pole. It was too hard, you know? And I was like, I will do that. I will be that guy, you know? So I walk in and it was just like, you know, <laughs> like yeah. so much nice gear. Like we're going to make some great music in this room, you know? We're going to do it do it in the, in the man's memory, you know? Yeah. And that's what I did for probably the next 7 or 8 years. I was like working on on getting my like craft together and understanding production. And I don't think I'm a great engineer still, you know, but I, I know how to get my way through it. And then I just leave the mixing to the professionals. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, do you, do you have a thing space at home? Like a thing yeah, like this? Yeah, totally. Something actually it's resembles this exactly. Yeah. Um, seems to be the general. Yeah, totally. Well, it, uh, what home uh, studio vibe thing for sure it's great though i mean having a home studio is just like a means to an end you know yeah and like i don't know i, I went really far down the rabbit hole on like acoustical treatments and like in your house well not on oh. this house i'm talking right. about that place in oh, right, know, right 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 yeah you know it was <clears> like <throat> this big it was a live room that had like no control room Right, so it was like you're actually like doing the music oh, right. in yeah, the yeah. room. I like that. I like those kind of studios. Totally, I loved yeah. it too, and it was huge. It was like palatial. Yeah, you know. And we had like a, a sound booth that was like perfectly done. My dad's a, comes from like a, a super blue collar like builder background, so oh. I like enlisted my dad to like yeah. build this like epic fucking booth and it's like you could be standing this close to the drum kit and you wouldn't hear anything. Awesome. It was insane, um, but. I think what I've discovered over the the time of like, you know, doing it all the way over to that end and doing it kind of all the way over to like the no frills end too. Right. Is that like, you know, it doesn't really matter. No. <laughs> it, it does and it doesn't. The you know? song matters. The song matters. Yeah. Right. The only thing that you the need to record good music song. is good music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't have that, then your room isn't going to make a lot of difference. Yeah. Like... So now I just focus on that and spend very little energy worrying about my acoustical treatments. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna, so after that, you moved to Nashville? Oh, yeah. Nashville was kind of in there somewhere. Yeah. Oh, you just moved down there and tried to... What were you going to do? Right. Hold on. I've, I know the, linea, the oh. chronology now. So the Graham Parsons show had an Emmylou Harris character. Mm -hmm. She was the only other character who had like lines in the show. Okay. And uh, her name is Kelly Prescott. And Kelly Prescott and I really got on like a house on fire. Like it was really good chemistry. The mute, like the vocals always worked really consistent, you know, and she's insane. Like I'm, you know, I'm like, it's like beauty and the beast kind of shit, you know, <laughs> like, like beside her, I look, I sound gross, you know, right, right, right. Um, but she, yeah, we decided to build a band around, our thing so we like wrote a bunch of songs her ex-husband was in the band as well and uh, and we all went down to nashville together um for a chunk of time and kind of went home with our tail between our legs because tried to make it <laughs> <laughs> right we went to nashville we tried to make it trying to make it you know <laughs> just a couple of kids trying to make it no no it's just a total it was not good. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what I'm getting from you, though, is like the overall sort of like Anders story is that you, you don't, you go for it, man. Yeah. You go to fucking Cuba, they leave you in Australia. I've been very lucky. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, I swear to God, 
I was talking to the, the percussionist in my band about this like a couple of weeks ago. He was like, let's make a record. And I was like, why? All the things that happen, happen to you just like randomly, you know? Yeah. You just focus on making really good music. I really, really don't want to make a record. Mm-hmm. Uh, or something. I don't want to make a record on my own money. I'll make a record on somebody else's money. That's good. But I don't really want to pay for it. I hear you. Yeah. It's expensive. It's incredible. Well, the, the record I want to make is and it doesn't, expensive. You, know? you don't make money back on it. That's it. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a, a tough sort of weird thing. Um, for sure. I, I did notice that you have a percussionist. Mm-hmm. And the setup of your band, it, not that it's odd, but that's mm-hmm. an odd instrument to have. Well, I don't know, man. I think it comes from a Not little, in a bad way. No, no, just, I understand. Cool. I, I mean, as a Cuban, you'll, you'll appreciate right, it, of course. I'm sure. But yeah. it's like, you know, once you've... Uh, spent enough time making choruses with tambourines on them it's really hard to give it up yeah you know like shakers and tambourines man that's like i mean he's a great conga player too and yeah he's, he's a really good like uh, timbali player and stuff but just give it to me on the chorus man you yeah know? like i don't want to i never want to play without it you know <laughs> yeah yeah there was a song that seems like you did there was a percussion was it no 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 yeah it's, right. it has a percussion yeah. underlying thing in the verses that's Pretty right fucking yeah. cool totally Totally. The uh, that was mixed by the same. Uh, his name's Trip. He's a, a friend of my wife's, and he uh, is like the live-in engineer for Fat Joe. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I had Fat Joe on the show. Really? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I had Fat Joe. No, I didn't. Fat Tony. Fat Tony. I had Fat Tony on the show. <laughs> Someone there was fat. Right. The thing with Tony is he's not fat though. Right. Is he's... Joe fat? I think Isn't Joe is pretty fat. Houston guy. No, I don't know. I think he's in L.A., but anyway, okay. I have no idea. I never met Fat Joe. You never. What does your wife do? Uh, she's in acupuncture school right now. Oh, awesome! But she's had many chapters in her life, same as me. You know, she did IT worked. She was a New York Jets cheerleader for like a number oh, really? of years. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, just a billion different things. She did the whole like Burning Man thing. As oh well, yeah, like that whole world. Uh, she was a, a <laughs> pharmaceutical rep for a while. Uh, At Burning Man. No, yeah, you know, well, yeah. That's amazing, actually. I can't believe I missed that one. How did I miss that? <laughs> um, but yeah, she's done a whole bunch of stuff. It's and She's cool as hell. And she yeah. also just dealt with me and my brothers being absolute piss tanks for the whole weekend because I'm turning 40 in like a week. And uh, my brothers just turned 50. So like my brother's all four of us were like at my my bro's house here in Austin over the course of the past three days. Oh wow! Just Tearing savage. It Ugh, I'm I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all no, done. I know that feeling. <laughs> my my grandmother's 100th birthday is this Friday what? in Houston, and there's a big party on Saturday, and I'm pretty sure I'll be done by Sunday. Right for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Those families, Cuban families, are probably like Canadian families right. in that they just drink a lot. Well, you know, we we know what we like. Yeah, <laughs> I had a friend. I had a friend that 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 uh, this is years and years and years ago, but he came to like uh, the 23rd of December at my my grandma's house when all my cousins and I go there and spend the night. We had a gig in Houston, I think that night or something. <laughs> but he came and stayed there afterwards and he was saying, he's like, your family's house is like backstage at a Led Zeppelin concert. <laughs> that's awesome. Just kind of horrifying. And like, I was pretty impressed. That's like, like, like a really nice compliment. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> we know how to party. So, um, so what do you have going on now musically? Like what, what do you have some tunes coming out? I do. I okay. do. So I was... I, I 
much earlier in the conversation, I was talking about some old school Canadian bros that right. came and made some rock and roll. Uh, we did that with Gordy Johnson out in uh, in Dripping Springs, and like this is I can't not say this. Like I basically grew up listening to Gordy Johnson play the guitar. It was extremely inspiring. Oh, sorry. But Wait, who's Gordy Johnson? So Gordy Johnson uh, has a band. He's had many bands over the years, but one of the big ones is from can- uh, Canada called Big Sugar. Okay. And the one that he had down here was with like Whipper Layton and a couple of other... Uh, oh, uh, what was it called? Uh, it was called Grady. Grady, yeah. My yeah. friend Nina played drums in that That's band. right, yeah. that's right. Yeah. I saw them on tour on, on when she was playing for them. Dude, and this man is like, basically if I could play guitar like anybody, it would be like him. It's just yeah. oozing style, oozing taste, you know. And he also makes a wonderful espresso. Nice. <laughs> and he produced this rock and roll record for me and my buddies. And uh, and it's like some of the most fun music I've ever made, honestly. And it's coming out. It's coming out. It's called Scissor Kick. That's the name of the band. Or That's the, the name album? of the band. The band. It's okay, a self-titled cool. record. Scissor yeah, yeah. Kick. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And it's like I mean, yeah. It'll be really interesting to see what happens because I I we're we have some t- uh, like just one-off club dates to release it in Canada. Right. So I'm going up there during the summer to like do that because that's ostensibly where the band's from, two-thirds of it anyway. Right. But we'll also probably come down here and, you know, play some shows. We did a South by Southwest gig this past one. Oh, yeah? And I, I cannot even believe that that happened to us. So we had been out the night before. I, I told my wife, I was like, my love, I am, I'm pulling my card here. Like, I have to, like, go out and, like, have a really good time with my boys we're going to be late. You're pulling that card a lot, yeah. I'm noticing. <laughs> but go ahead. She, well, yeah, she gets hers. In defense hers. of your wife. She gets hers, she gets, too. Okay, okay. But, you know, I was like, I've got to got to have some fun out here. And we just ran into Gordy and his wife at, like, you know, the cathedral. And, like, there was this whole night of, like, partying in some castle on Mary Street. And I was just like, what the hell's going on? We had this rock and roll show the next day. But we'd been up till 6 in the morning. Yeah. And I was like... I literally, I just, you know, doing vocal warm-ups all morning, just trying to, like, see what's been, you know, in there. I opened my mouth to sing rock and roll music, and it was, like, dust coming oh, out. Oh, really? It was just like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, just nothing, you know? So it was a learning experience. I was like, holy shit, I've really got to... If I'm going to be playing rock and roll at 40, uh, yeah. the, the rules are changing, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they totally change. You know what happened to me during the pandemic not singing over a band at a place mm. like for you know a year yeah a year well i uh, my voice like it took me a, a year to get it back wow into shape crazy yeah i mean it's a muscle right it's a muscle exactly totally. i mean i was singing but not singing right you know right there's something about singing over a band like you sing at a certain like yeah it's like posture it's like know. well yeah it's like sprinting yeah it's like yeah i went for a jog i jog, jogged about a half a mile yeah right, right. <laughs> it's like all right you got to sprint three miles now You're yeah like, exactly. no i can't yeah, yeah no it's it's crazy i mean speaking in generalities 40 has hit me like a ton of fucking bricks man really but, uh, and also you know, fatherhood that's a interesting well, thing totally it, it's it's the most interesting thing all of these things are like pale in comparison to how interesting it is to be a father yeah have you written any songs about it? I'm saving it. You yeah. know, I I'm, I feel like it'll come when it comes. I'm yeah, not yeah. going to try to force it, but you know. You're I think in the middle it, of it now. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. She just turned a year old. Wow. It's like, you know, 
the one thing it's like you know you're always surrounded by sort of the uh the processes of being a dad or a parent you know and like co-parenting with somebody who's awesome like my wife is wicked because we have good communication we can all figure it out but you know you run into things that you would never run into right and it's like sleep training sure you know this is like a really big deal and i was like my brother in Baltimore has two kids. He was like, sleep train those motherfuckers like at six months, the day they turn six months old, do not wait. This is like your chance to like put some like some guide rails and some like, yeah. you know, boundaries in this kid's world. Because if you don't, it's going to be chaos. Yeah. And I was all about it. My wife was like not cool with the idea of sleep training, doesn't like the idea of going to the other room while the kid's crying. 100% legit. I mean, I, sure. of course, I could never blame her for feeling that way. I feel the same way, too. But the, we got this thing called Taking Care of Babies, right? That's the name of the program. And it's like a video series with, like, literature that comes along with it. And this woman gets on a fucking video with you, and she's like, Did you know that sleep deprivation is a form of torture in prisoner of war yeah. camps? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, because exactly. it is, man. You yeah. can't be a fucking effective person yeah. if you can't sleep. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Like, and it was happening to us, like, right in front of our eyes. Like, I, we were trying to, like, work it out and just get through this first year of parenting the best way that we could. But, man, when you can't sleep, you can't do anything right. No. Like, and you start getting at each other's throats yep. and stuff, and it's like, you're, you just need it. And, dude, one night, that's all it took. Oh, it's really? Like, I was in there, like, it's a whole process. You, like, go yeah. in, you put them to bed. They sleep, uh, they cry for like a, a few minutes and then you go in, you give them like a pat on the head and just be like, I love you. Go the fuck to sleep. You're safe. Yeah. You know, everything's cool here, but go to sleep. And then yeah. you walk out again and then you do it 10 minutes after that. And then 15 minutes consecutively oh, wow. after that, it took one hour and she was sleeping soundly. And now she sleeps 12 hours a night. Wow. Like back to normal. So you guys have time. We have all kinds of time. To, we can do stuff. We can yeah. have meals at regular hours. <laughs> we can, you know, I can get work done in the evenings. It's yeah. insane, you know? Um, And like, we could have never have done that without just like this program. I can't, if anybody out there. Without is that one a, night. That's right. That <laughs> one night. If anybody out there is having a problem with it, taking care of babies, like you will not be sorry. Yeah. Incredible. You know? Yeah. Taking care of babies, man. Taking care of babies. Do you do a lot of a lot of hands-on dad stuff? It's you're not like a farewell dad guy, or like a. Well, yeah, actually, to tell you the truth, I've, I've changed much of the things that uh, my job has changed completely, so I can be at home with the kid. Okay. So I was like on tour with a, a really great Canadian artist called Colin James, uh-huh. and um, I was like the new rhythm guitar player in his band, starting. Last year, we opened for Buddy Guy across America. It was oh, amazing. awesome. It was crazy. And, um, you that know. That guy's I'm, loud as shit, man. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. But he, no, it's your fun. It's your house, man. <laughs> your, it's your podcast. It's my show. It's my show. The, uh, yeah, and so I, it was going really well. I was basically like, uh, you know, I could, it was my gig to lose is right. how it was described. Um, and this kid came around and I went on one final tour I didn't know it was the final tour, right. but I was like on tour and I have never missed home like that, man. I've like been on tour for almost 20 years. Yeah. It's 
different places, different people, just like the whole thing is just so random and chaotic and fun. Uh, amazing. You know, it's yeah. such an amazing experience, but like, and I've never missed home like that. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm off the road now. Like, I'll, Texas is big enough for me. Yeah. Austin's big enough for me. Like, yeah. I'm totally cool with just that. Um, and maybe someday I'll go back on the road, but I mean, it would have to be pretty spectacular money. Yeah. No doubt. Do you do other weird things like song division? There's other jobs like that out there in the in the yeah. world that are odd yeah. like that. Uh, most of it's just corporate work. Yeah. You know, uh, like I'm going to Nashville in June to do a, a corporate thing. Um, that's like, that's my, my thing. I'm like organizing all the band and oh, cool. the hotel rooms and the flights and, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. Turns out I'm actually okay at that stuff. <laughs> I, I saw that. Like, I was going through your website and stuff. When I went through the private thing, you're like, hey, man, don't worry. PA, lights, whatever. Yeah, we got the whole thing. For sure. That's, That's the pretty first, amazing. first thing I did when I moved who to do Austin, you, Who actually. do you work with? Like, Big House or something? Uh, Like, for sound? Yeah. Oh, no, it's all mine. Oh, I it's all, it all yours? Yeah, totally. I bought oh, it all shit. myself. I've, I've got a garage, like, basically with a small festival-sized PA in it. Wow. And we have a big trailer, and we just, like, I pack the thing up I run the sound I do the whole thing oh that makes my band so lazy <laughs> dude like, not lazy we have smart. a person that does that <laughs> stuff for us yeah um, on occasion I will bring in like a, a front of house person um, you know Roger Krager the I know country that name guy. yeah um, oh yeah yeah Texas country yeah. guy his nephew is our, our front of house guy oh cool um, yeah Ryan Krager great great awesome dude awesome man um it's really cool, actually. We were playing at the Armadillo Den uh, down south. Um, it's just, you know, it's a stage, whatever. They yeah. always have a different person running sound out there. And, like, nobody had ever... They have these really great subs, big ones, you know. And uh, nobody ever lets them out because they don't want to, you know, like, yeah. blast the people. They want people to be able to talk and have right. a conversation. And one day, he just, like, cranked on me, like, fucking let him out like crazy. And I was like... This guy, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I yeah. love this guy. Yeah, <laughs> what is your name, young man? <laughs> That's awesome. And at the private events, you do covers anything, right? Like anything. weddings. Yep. Like yep. you have to learn. Do you? Are you like one of those people that I could say, like, hey, play this right now, and you probably probably know. not. Yeah. To be okay. honest, I've got a something of a finite like playlist. Right. Um, but that's why I have hired two other singers. Also from The Voice, Brian Scartosi and Gigi Hess. Okay. And when we do big band stuff, we do like a 12-piece band, 13 with the front of house guy, and a full horn section, five-piece backup band, and three lead singers. And then with the female, of course, it makes it so you can do any song. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we're all from The Voice, so it looks good on paper, too. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'll just, sorry about this guy. No, no, you're cool. These guys are random, by the way. Like, this is a thing that you don't know what day or time they're right. coming. They'll just get there when they get there. Yeah, they're very. Uh, I used to know that there was a guy when I first started this, and I could I could be like, "Hey, man, come on, I got this guy. Can you give me twenty minutes? Yeah. Oh, Go do over there." I was working on a record for a, a Canadian artist who came down and made a record here in Austin with me. Produced it. It was really cool, and we're like in like I just bought a house down south, and I like you know I'm getting to know the neighborhood and stuff. But I'm like in there. It's a it's a folk rock record kind of thing so pretty intimate at times 
and she's like really digging super deep in the in the vocal room and like you know getting her thing out and there's this little motherfucker down the street with one of these little like mini scooters it's like I'm like fucking almost like ran out of the house and drop kicked the guy I was like get the fuck out of here I'm making music over here <laughs> come on you're killing me so with you, you produce records out of your house and stuff yeah totally I mean it's I always go to like a bigger studio for the serious stuff. So like drum day, bed tracks. Uh, I like working with uh, Same Sky Productions on oh, yeah. Second Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those I really guys. like those guys yeah. a lot. Um, David's amazing. a great guy and Andre, oh, yeah, this guy's great. Totally, Andre, that's right. Um, yeah, actually, it's it's really, it's kind of been our home base. Whenever we, Whenever I do anything that I can't do at home, I just go there. You seem like you fit in there. There's a, there's a fucking badass player <laughs> vibe that goes on there. You know what I mean? There's like some, everyone's pretty. That Dave Madden guy is super that's badass. Right, that's and right. Like, yeah, they're. Uh, I mean, I don't like hang out with. We don't get beers on Thursdays or yeah. anything like that. But uh, I show up there from time to time. People know flat nine chords and shit like that. Yeah, though. right. Yeah, right. yeah. You can <laughs> yeah. say you can speak numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those guys know what's up. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, um, this has been great talking to you, man. Yeah, dude. I'm gonna thank get you out, so much. I want to get out and see one of those uh, Central Machine Works. The next one would be, do you know offhand? Well, the next one is going to be next Sunday at the Armadillo Den. Okay. But. Oh, next Sunday at Armadillo that's Den. That's right. But hold on a second. Let me, let me just. That, that's the Sunday that I'm probably going to be done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Armadillo Den this Sunday, the 21st. And then. Uh, the 28th uh, at. The twenty eighth, actually, that's that's an off week, but we got okay. a private birthday party up in Leander. Oh, nice! Totally, we'll nice. play birthdays, bar mitzvahs. What do you got? Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I played a bar mitzvah once with Skyrocket. It was unbelievable. Super like it was fun. Inst- no, no, no. It it's kind of fun. It, <laughs> it, it, they had a fucking carnival, like a uh, in their backyard. Like they had a. Uh, a Ferris wheel, like a Ferris wheel that you could see driving down the street, like that level. You get there and it's like a concert, like ACL level stage production. Wow. They got the guy from Five for Fighting. Oh and this God. is like in the height of Five for Fighting. Wow. Like they were still being played on the radio and shit like That's that, like crazy. constantly. He played a set 30 minutes or something before <laughs> us. And then we played a party set afterwards and we met this kid, the girl whose bat mitzvah it was. Okay. Could fucking care less oh my about, god I mean, they were like hey these are the guys these are mommy and dad's favorite band and we had them hey and you're just oh. like dude you have a carnival in yeah, your totally. backyard like show some appreciation totally it was so sad your damn kids i know you worry about your kid you worry about oh, is it a boy continuously or girl? a girl girl oh god so for my yeah. sins <laughs> but uh yeah you know it's i've got a lot of advice from a lot of different parents of kids of different ages and stuff and like it gets the one thing that always comes back is that like you really want to focus on what you got going on right now because this is the fun days yeah you know? oh yeah like she's not even really walking or talking right. she's just like saying cute things and like being adorable all the time right so like focus on that well there's now. also like then what at what point are the like weird uh you know, like, at what point do you, do you give her a phone? You know, right. those weird totally. things. For totally. her own safety. For sure. But then also you don't want her... Being screen-addicted little, like, hellion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally get those things. I think about it a lot. I I get the feeling that it's all going to become clear when the time comes, you know? Like, it'll be a conversation, it'll be a debate, and we'll we'll figure it out when it happens. The one that I'm, like, actually worried about 
is like whether she's going to date a drummer or not, you know? And like, if she does, then I'm just going to like, I don't know what I'll do. I'm just going to lose my mind. Oh. Squeege, do not date a drummer. Be a drummer. Don't date a drummer. Yeah, be a drummer. Yeah, totally. Like Nina. Yeah, she's exactly. A drummer. Um, I miss Grady. Oh, I, man. I, remember, I remember they used to play at Antones. Used to right. go see him play. When that when those records came out, yeah. my friends and I just like popped immediate boners. We were yeah. just like, "What the fuck is this? This is crazy!" Yeah, so it's such good music, you know. It's interesting to get a, a a flavor of what your musical taste is. There's a lot more like rock and roll than what I would have expected just from meeting you as a person. Right? You know what I mean? I mean, it's fun. Yeah, right. It is fun. I, th- I think that's the thing that I. You know, my relationship with music over the course of a 25-year career is like waxed and waned so many times. But yeah. the the times where it was the worst yeah. is when I was doing the most like insipid music that like was not fun right, for me right, at all, right, you know. Right. Rock and roll is just goofy fun. Yeah. It's so much fun, yeah. you know. And like you get, you, you get to be like totally unabashed about that and just like go out, be loud, kick something over, and it's totally okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what? Why not? You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, people get out there and find AndersDrewBand.com. Uh, you can see them. Uh, oh, I, this isn't coming out for a few weeks. Just go there and find them. Sunday's <laughs> Michelle, uh, Michelle Central Machine Works or Armadillo Den, 6 p.m., and then look and see when you're playing other places. You've done some Continental stuff, right? We have. We yeah. have. Uh, actually, we're playing at Sea Boys on the 27th with the Capitol. Oh, you know nice. Those guys? No. Cool. It's like a real, like, uh, like collegiate funk. Oh, nice. And it's like, it's nice. really like sort of got that snarky puppy thing to it. Oh, yeah. A little bit. Um, and really great front guy. And like the whole horn section's insane. But we're playing uh, after them at Sea Boys on the 27th of this month. Yeah. Now that we know, now you know where I live, let's hang out. Yeah, man. All right. Hey, I would love that. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Dude, great is, having you on. This has been man. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody actually wants to hear what I have to say. <laughs> That was Anders Drerup, gang. You can find him at AndersDrerupBand.com. You can see his band this Sunday if you live in Austin. This Sunday, June 18th at the Armadillo Den. As I said, go to Anders Drerup Band for all your Anders Drerup needs. Great time talking to that dude. I love that guy, man. I'm really glad that he moved here. I'm glad he's here. I want to write some songs with him. I want to hang out. I want to run around. He invited me to a show a while back, but I had gone to a Spoon concert, and I was going to try and go when I came back, but there was this massive traffic leaving the Spoon concert. By the time I got home, it was late and I was tired. Anyway, gang, AndersDreupBand.com. Find them there. Also, when you're out there checking out Anders Dreup Band, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is you find podcasts, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Stitcher, anywhere new shows every Tuesday, every Friday. From the Vault episodes, you can go back and listen to that Penelope Spheris interview. Oh, you don't know who Penelope Spheris is? Oh, she just directed a little movie called Wayne's World. But mostly we were talking about the Decline of Western Civilization documentary series that she did, which are fantastic. Get out there and check those out. Anders Drerup. This is the rest of his song, Ceylon. Thanks for doing the show, buddy. Let's hang out soon, if you're listening. You guys have a great week, whatever you're doing. These AC people need to get me out of this heat. Let's get down. When the pieces just ain't fitting Say long, say long Dark clouds rolling in over your head Seems like someone's stolen all the trees from your bed And the whole damn world's hanging on by a thread Say long, say long All too often we pass it like ships in the night Always the same old story comes out Baby, till it comes out right Cause you know